0: WEEI Studios, the home of the Red Sox. 93.7, WEEI FM and HD1, Lawrence, Boston. Always live on the free Odyssey app.
1: This hour of the Christian Arcan show, live from the MGM Springfield for Red Sox winter weekend, is brought to you by Bill DeLuca Chrysler Jeep Dodge Ram. DeLuca's got the deals.
0: And now it's Christian Arcan live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend on WEEI.
2: Sports Radio WEEI, we're live from winter weekend here. It's Christian Arkin, and I'm joined at the table here by not one, but two members of the Red Sox pitching staff, Tanner Haug and Chris Martin. Join me here uh, right at the, excuse me, Doug Lane. <laughs> uh, how you guys doing? How's the weekend going so far?
3: It's great. Great to have all the fans out here, uh, their support. We love having them.
2: Tanner, how's the back feeling? Feels great. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah, problems. no, no hiccups. No making nope. up funny on the mattress. Nothing like that. Nope. All nope. right, we're good. Feeling to go good. Then. Feeling good. That's great. That's great to hear. And Chris Martin, one of the uh, new members of the Red Sox, did not realize how tall you were until you stood up here. Uh, you're a you're a large man. You've had an interesting uh, story. Uh, the the way your career sort of unfolded. You quit baseball back in the day, didn't you?
4: Yeah. Um, and
2: what yeah. happened? You had an injury and then said, "That's it. I'm not. I'm done."
4: Yeah, it's uh it's a pretty long story, but. Uh, <laughs> Well, go ahead. We got time. Yeah, the cliff notes of it is, (laughs) you know, I tore my labrum in college and it never really, you know, it was never really the same after and um, had a surgery and really didn't progress any better. So I ended up hanging it up and. Uh, came back a few years later.
2: And I read you were throwing, you were just uh, playing toss in a warehouse. Yep. And suddenly we were like, you know what? I could pitch in the majors again.
4: Yeah, it's ba- basically, yeah. <laughs> that's
2: it. That's got to be a good feeling, right? Knowing yeah, yeah. that it's not it's not completely gone there. Tanner, you ever you ever think about quitting baseball like that?
3: Uh <laughs> no. No. I I I love the game. I mean, more power to him. Like he has an incredible story that I think everyone should, you know, sit back and and watch, you know, the adversity that he went through. But, you know, look at him now. Yeah. It's a great story. It's incredible. Yeah, Yeah,
2: absolutely. Now, uh, both of you guys are part of this uh, pitching staff here, which I think for you in particular, Tanner, uh, what do you envision your role sort of being? Have you guys talked with Have you talked with the the coaching staff about exactly what you'll be doing this season?
3: Yeah, I'm coming into camp as a starter, um, and then we kind of go from there. Uh, I love starting. I, I plan on starting. Uh, it's what I've done my entire career, so I, I, I would like to continue that. People like you as a closer, though. I mean, you're pretty good at it. We got Kenley now. <laughs> That's true. We got we got these two guys. I mean, we got great veteran guys. Uh, you know, that can close it down at the end of
2: games. Yeah, and you're uh, uh, working on. I mean, obviously, you always work on this, but in terms of going deeper into games, um, just the way sort of baseball's set up right now, I feel like even if you're having a great game, once you get to that third time through the order, you got to be looking over your shoulder. Is that frustrating as a starter? Uh, for me, I just block it out. Don't yeah. worry about it. I I,
3: I got to go out there. I got to still execute my pitches, whether you know it's my last hitter or not. I still have to go out there and execute. And if you're worried about you know whoever's warming up in the pen, you're you're not fully committed to that pitch. You're not fully committed to that at bat. You're not giving a hundred percent to it. So for me, it's just stay locked in on the on the at bat at hand, and then we go from there. If AC feels like there's a better option at that moment, I respect his decision.
2: All right, and Chris, how about you? Uh, obviously, you had your role in LA and the other stops along the way in your career. Have you talked with the uh, coaching staff about what that role is going to be here in Boston?
4: Um, no, not really. Um, obviously, coming over from LA, you know they do things a little bit different. You know, it's more of the analytical side. What spot in the lineup you're good at or good for? And uh, you know, I just came in and let these guys know I can, you know, I can pitch wherever you want. Um, you want to give me a role? That's fine. If not, I'll be ready from the fourth on. Hopefully, these guys, you know, push it as far as they can go. <laughs> uh, that obviously helps down the road when the, when the starters go deep into games and keep guys fresh and uh, basically just coming in with open mind and ready to pitch whatever any. How
2: would you guys characterize your relationships with the analytics department? Is that do you, do you sort of have a good relationship
4: or do they get on your case all the time? <laughs> I mean, you kind of just got to go with it. Yeah, it's this it's it's in the game now, so. You better figure it out and learn how to how to deal with it. If you don't, then you kind of get pushed. You know, you you won't understand what's going on. So what's you, the main thing they miss? The analytics. Yeah. The feel, I guess. Yes. You know, you can't. You got to watch too and see how things are going. You can't just go off a number all the time. Sure. The I human. Think,
3: the human element, I think, right. is, is the best way to describe it because yeah. we're we're not robots. You know, we're we're right. gonna make mistakes. We're gonna miss. You know, a, a fastball that we want down and glove side. We're gonna miss it in the heart of the plate. Yes. Yeah just the way it is um but you know that's also the reason
2: we love the game um do you guys have that same attitude sort of with the new rule changes that are coming up here a lot of them don't really help you pitchers that's for sure um what what do you do i mean you have to make adjustments what's uh what's the main thing that goes into it uh i i've kind of already been throwing
3: on it uh whenever i was in the minors we had it right um so it's not anything foreign to me uh and i know you know He's a veteran. I'm sure he, he can adapt pretty quickly uh,
4: on the fly. Yeah, new rule changes, you just got to go with them. If you 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 know if you don't accept them, then no one really cares. <laughs> so true. You got to go out there and, and figure it out.
2: Basically. Why does it always seem like the rule changes are uh, not helping pitchers? Why does it always seem like they're helping the hitters? You know, Why do you think that is? I don't even want to comment on that. <laughs> I, it get me in trouble. <laughs> I, I mean, I'll admit,
3: hitting's hard. Mm-hmm. I don't care who you are hitting is very hard especially in today's game you got more guys ever throwing 100 miles an hour and I, I don't know the all the math behind it but hitting a baseball at 100 miles an hour that moves two feet left
4: or right it's very hard so i right. think too yeah analytics makes a big play in it too you know where guys are trying to hit the ball and you can put guys in in good defensive situation uh, spots and it's just getting harder all around both sides.
2: Now, you guys, uh, no doubt I'm sure, heard the reaction last night to, uh, to to the front office at the town hall, right? I mean, it's... I'm sure that got around to the clubhouse by now. Yeah?
4: Uh, no? I mean, I saw a little bit of it. I
2: just wanted to sort of point out here that I think that uh, while the fans may be restless about certain players who have come and gone i don't think i mean these are all paying customers and they're all here for this weekend making their voices heard it's a passionate fan base i guess is what i'm trying to say do you look at it that way or you is it is it something
4: else they're just holding us accountable you know as players we need to go out and well not you because you just got here right but i've (laughs) been around it i've been in a lot of organizations it's a you know this fan base is a little bit different um they're passionate about their team and they want the best out of us and, and you can't count you can't you can't get mad at him for it, you know. You just got. We're we're going out there and trying to give it 100% every single day, and that's that's what we can do to to prove we're here for the for the Red Sox Nation. Tanner, you feel the same way? I mean, obviously, it's a passionate fan base. Uh,
3: absolutely. I mean, I, I've seen it now. I've been a part of it for a little bit, and that's what you want. You you would, you love having a passionate fan base that that wants nothing but the best for the team. So I really appreciate all the fans that have come out this weekend, gotten to meet. Hang out with them, take pictures, sign autographs. You know, it looks like you, everyone's having fun here, doing the racing. You know, doing throwing, hitting, whatever it is. So, it, it, it's been an absolute incredible weekend.
2: Now, you guys uh, have certainly been on teams that have had some highs and lows, Tanner, just in the last couple of years. Certainly for you and Chris, uh, same sort of deal. What's the difference like in the in the clubhouse uh, when you're when you're on a hot streak, like in 2021, as
4: opposed to something like last season? How do you keep things light? How do you keep things upbeat? yeah um or do you yeah do the best you can yeah you know nobody wants nobody wants to be losing um it makes for a long season when when you go through something like that but if you can find a way to to dig deep and figure out a way to get out of those things then down the road you're better for it um you learn from your experiences i believe that's all baseball is is learn from your experience don't repeat don't try to repeat what happened and and uh, obviously go out and just give it everything you got. Really, that's all you can do. How's it been
2: with Alex Cora
4: so far? Obviously a well-respected manager in the game. Tanner, you know. I mean, uh, how's it been so far with him? It's great. Um, I can already tell he's a really good communicator. And as a bullpen guy, that's something that's that goes a long ways. Just being communicated with, understanding what's going on. Don't get left in the dark and... And, uh, that, that'll help out a lot.
2: All right. We'll leave it right there then, Tanner How Chris Martin. Great to talk with you guys. Good luck this year. Thank, Thank you. All right. Thanks so much. Uh, it's Tanner How Chris Martin, joining us here uh, at Winter Weekend in Springfield. Uh, 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. I thought I was going to interview those guys one at a time. I ended up getting the package deal. <laughs> that was even better. <laughs> even better then uh, than what I was expecting. So there you go. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Um, interesting. Interesting stuff here. I'm, I'm interested in the role that these guys are both going to play this season. Uh, in the bullpen, Tanner Houck in the starting rotation, I think that uh, there's, there's a chance here for this pitching staff in particular to surprise a lot of people. I think that that, more than any other uh, aspect of this team, I think that this, uh, this pitching staff has the potential and the possibility to, uh, to really surprise people and maybe change some people's minds. Uh, the doubters out there not looking at anyone in particular I don't know who was here last night <laughs> if, you were, if you were maybe maybe I am looking at you but uh, for everybody else I think that that's uh, one part of this team in particular even if you you know aren't feeling great you got to feel uh, pretty good about Tanner Houck being the end of that rotation 617 779 there's your phone number um, we'll take a quick break here and uh, we'll come back and get to some of your phone calls
1: The Greg Hill Show, weekdays 6 to 10. Now,
2: here's what's
0: trending on WEEI.
1: The NFL Divisional Round kicks off today at 4.30 with the Jaguars taking on the Kansas City Chiefs. Don't forget, all of the NFL Divisional Rounds can be heard right here on WEEI, so make sure to keep it locked. The Patriots reportedly interviewed Bill O'Brien on Thursday for their offensive coordinator opening, the first step toward what many believe would be a necessary reunion here in New England. The Celtics go for their ninth straight win in Toronto against the Raptors tonight. Jason Tatum is out with left wrist soreness, tip-off at 5 p.m. And the Bruins are back in action on the ice tomorrow night to host the San Jose Sharks, puck drops at 7 p.m. I'm Stiz, that's what's trending now on WEI and WEI.com
0: christian Arkan live from mgm springfield for red sox winter weekend
2: W-E-I. were you shell shocked by that was that as big of a surprise as it appeared to be to everybody else no and you know i hate to put it so bluntly because julian does such a good job uh you know covering us and he's awesome to work with and you know he's a good writer um But we we had a good sense, uh, and I've told a couple people this since, I've been pretty open with how it unfolded. We had a good sense even from the night before that, you know, this thing was probably going to go to a place that we were not going to go. And, you know, we got to own that. I've been pretty blunt about that. I think we all have. Good for Xander. We, We love him. We just did not think that that type of deal was something that was going to be good for the organization. That was from earlier. That was High in Bloom right here at Winter Weekend. It's Christian Arcand, Sports Radio, WEI. Nice to have you with us here today, and uh, nice to be here out in Springfield for a uh, pretty fun event. Got kids running races over there. I think they got one of those things where, like, you throw two pitches and then you guess your speed on the third one. Is that what it is over there? Do you, like, win a prize or something if you if you guess it? I, I used to be so good at that. Those were the when best. When I was younger. I was real. Like, I could... Because you know what? I knew I could only throw, like, 47 miles an hour. Shut up. <laughs> like I knew I had this little noodle arm, so Shut I out. knew right what my speed was every Sh- time.
1: <laughs> Shut up Canobie Lake. I remember that was, yeah. like, my favorite thing at Canobie
2: Lake. <laughs> oh, yeah, man. I had all... The, I had everything at Canobie Lake. No no question about it. Um, I, uh, I think that there's... Uh, Definitely a sense here today. It's a lot, it's a lot chiller than it was yesterday. Uh, yesterday, the temperature was turned up pretty high, and a lot of people wanted answers and just wanted to yell and scream at uh, the High and Bloom and, and John Henry and so forth. Um, but that answer in particular was one that I think – changed my perspective a little bit on this whole thing um before we get to that real quick people are mad at me online because I said the Dodgers who the Dodgers let go in, in free agency I met their homegrown players and I know there's been a few of them but the problem is the difference is they replace them they replace them when they go uh that that's a major difference and Aaron Judge Went to free agency, and what happened? They re-signed him. They brought him back. The Yankees brought him back. They stepped up and paid the money that you had to pay. That was my point. I thought it was a pretty obvious one. Um, people getting into the weeds on Twitter with me on that one. But uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I think that that's pretty clear. It's pretty obvious. Look at the contracts the Dodgers are, are shelling out. Look at what the Padres are doing. There's teams that are playing a different game than what the Red Sox are playing. That's the point I was trying to make. I don't think that's really that hot of a take. Um, but back to High and Bloom for a second and the, uh, and the Xander Bogarts thing um that globe article was about bloom being kind of shocked shell-shocked by the by the bogarts news and he's saying no i wasn't that surprised i sort of knew what was coming up oh my goodness an eric gagne shirt wow i haven't seen an eric gagne shirt ever i don't think i've ever seen one before that's the first time i've ever seen like kudos to you sir you're the one guy who bought one. <laughs> I'll tell you what—that was—that's. I, I swear to God, I didn't think they ever printed any of those. <laughs> Eric Gagne, Red Sox legend. <laughs> anyway, six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven. That's your phone number. I wonder what other funny jerseys I'm going to see here today. <laughs> I don't know if anyone's going to top Gagne. Uh, let's go to the phones. What do you say, Johnny? Is in Brooklyn. He has a thought on the High and Bloom interview. Hey, Johnny. Arcan the Baptist. Great job <laughs> as always. Thank you. What's I- up? You know,
5: I'm just finding myself having a difficult time even wanting to root for this team with the approach that Heimblum has, you know, wants to take with it. And, you know, we a lot of times we say, oh, well, it's the position management's put themselves in. But, you know what? He, he wants, this is his style of management. And nobody likes the Tampa Bay Rays. And so, you know, instead of actually putting diamonds out there on the field, his whole plan is, oh, well, I'm going to find diamonds in the rough. And I, I don't really want to root for that. I mean, I want them to be good at the same time. I want them to approach it the way Dombrowski used to do. I want stars that, that you know, excite me to watch. And so, you know, apart from that, I, I, I'm just listening to the guy talk, and, you know, he, he still lacks a little bit of accountability as far as I'm concerned, and I'm just having a difficult time with it. I think they got everything they deserved yesterday, and uh, I, I think we're fighting for fourth place here,
2: and right. I don't like it. Thanks for the call, Johnny. Appreciate it. I think that you're not alone. I think there's a lot of fans who sort of feel that way too. I don't think last night was some coincidence or a bunch of you know people who had a little uh, got a little too tuned up before the, before the town hall started or anything like that. I thought that was a genuine. Sincere to a fault, maybe uh, reaction is what uh, is what you saw last night, and that was passion. I mean, listen, these are people who are paying to be here. This is paying customers, and they uh, still love the team and still care about the Red Sox. I think that's clear. I don't think anybody here is done with the team, or you know, not gonna not gonna support them, or not gonna show up to the park or anything next summer, even if the team stinks. You know, they stunk last year. People still showed up. I remember 2021 uh, down the stretch. Things weren't going great then with uh, w- with ticket sales, and that was before the big push to the end the playoffs there and uh, I remember John Henry they were giving away Roombas they were giving away L.L. Bean tote bags they were trying to get people in and then you know that that picked right back up that was a sort of a brief thing there so the love and the passion's not going anywhere I don't think that's ever going to go anywhere um, whatever you think about the current state of baseball and everything I think that that's still very much uh, alive and well here in Boston I just think you need to tap back into it by putting a product on the field worthy of all the passion that you're getting here otherwise it's going to get it's going to get redirected it's going to get rerouted and, and you may not like the results of that i'm sorry i mean that's just the way it is john henry listen for whatever reason i don't know what it is but john henry it's not just here you know they don't the soccer team he has doesn't like him. Like it's just for some reason is unpopular and for considering what this team and what the city was like before him I think that's interesting. I do. I mean, you, you become you become so uh, desperate for a championship, and we were. My father, my grandfather, my generations of my family never saw this team win anything. And then finally, they don't just win. They win. They win a couple years later. They win five years after that. They had the best season in the history of the Boston Red Sox in 2018. It's not been all bad, but I do think that there's a, there's a belief in sort of a, a – thing with the Red Sox fans where hey you know we'll pay the extra amount of money we'll we'll pay for parking and we'll pay for the expensive tickets and we'll do all this and we'll still show up and we'll do all that but you can't keep letting these guys go you can't keep letting them walk out the door it's just that's that's the that's where we draw the line I think that's what it was I really believe that if the Red Sox just had a bad year last year like they did but signed Xander Bogart's you probably would have had maybe, I don't know, a fraction of the, of the booing and stuff that we saw yesterday. That's just my opinion. Maybe I'm wrong. You know, maybe I'm wrong. And maybe Xander Bogart's uh, it was a impossible contract anyway, and there was no way they could have brought him in fine. But I do think that that was a little, there was something a little extra last night. I do i don 't just think it was from a bad season we 've had bad seasons before Red Sox have had bad seasons before it 's not the first time you 've seen that I think it was I think it was Bogarts. I think that really that really left a mark six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven there 's your phone number we 're not going to do Red Sox all day today as there is uh, other things going on in the world of uh, sports here, including the Patriots and uh, the Bruins are playing. Are they playing tonight or tomorrow I think it's uh, it 's uh, yeah, the Bruins tomorrow and the Celtics tonight. That's what we got there. So uh, we will venture into uh, to a couple other topics here over the course of the next 90 minutes or so. 617-779-7937 is the phone number. Let's go to the phones. Talk to Mike in New Hampshire. Hi, Mike. Hi, Christian. How are you? I'm doing fine, Mike. How are you? Good. I, I just, you know, heard you say um,
0: the passion is there amongst Red Sox fans and the knowledge and that they'll always pack Fenway. But, Um, One of my concerns is that I think half the crowd is just what you described. And then, unfortunately, we've evolved to, I think, the other half of the crowd is all about the Fenway experience and just being at Fenway and this is a good first date or, or, you know, this is a a millennial thing to do. And and, and the, the problem with that is, you know, the ownership still sees the people in their seats. And so it doesn't really motivate them, um, in my mind, to really have a champion again. And I know everybody wants a champion, but the last thing I'll say is it's pretty hard to see um, Xander and Mookie and J.D., and even, not that he was homegrown, but Kyle Schwarber, you know, leave and be replaced with guys like Verdugo, Turner, Kike. Like, are you kidding me? I'm curious about your thoughts.
2: Thank you, uh, Mike. I appreciate that. And I think that's a big difference between the Red Sox and the Dodgers. Dodgers let a guy go. They replace him with a big ticket-free agent if they let him go at all. Um, Red Sox let someone go or make a trade, and, you know, you just don't see that same kind of return. (laughs) That's the way it's been so far, unfortunately. And that's unfortunately not for me. I mean, I'm not on the team or anything, and I'm not, you know, a kid who is only ever known Xander Bogar, you know, but, like, that's, uh, that, that's a tough reality of it. And, you know, you talk about young people coming to the game, and I know that uh, for, for younger people there's more affordable tickets and affordable options and stuff like that. It's just harder to sell it to kids when your favorite players are not on the team anymore. That's all. 617 uh, 779 is your phone number. Um, I, wanted to, uh, I wanted to briefly touch on this Trevor Story thing because uh, Story's around here, so I don't know if he was here today or next door at Nessun, but uh, Trevor Story said, that he will play this year. Um, And I'm reading from Nesson. High and Bloom put Boston Red Sox fans in a state of panic when he said two weeks ago the organization can't bank on Trevor Story returning from injury, but Story struck a much different tone today, giving a more definitive answer on if he'll play this season. Story, yeah, oh yeah, in my mind, yes, I will play. Uh, The veteran infielder won't be in the lineup, at least at the start of the season, as he comes back from the bracing procedure on his uh, UCL. And it seems that he'll be out for several months with no definitive timetable for when he can return. But here's another quote from Story. It's too early for a timetable. We're 11 days out of surgery. A lot of that kind of depends on the way we're progressing and this whole rehab process. But I feel good about that. I feel good about how I'm going to attack this and the team that we have and all of our therapy guys. I know we're going to do the best job we can. It's going to be something I'm really looking forward to. We're going to do it the right way. We're not going to cut any corners. Um, so there you go. Uh, Trevor Story, that was, that was sort of an unfortunate thing that happened at a, at a tough time for this team because, you know, Xander Bogarts is gone and everybody's sort of dealing with the aftershock of that. And uh, now here we find out Trevor Story, the guy who was signed, I guess we find out now, in part to replace uh, Bogarts when he left. He's going to be out for a while, too. And Trevor Story didn't have a great season last year. He missed a bunch of time. And back in September, I think Rob Bradford talked to him about this very problem with his elbow. So to see it all kind of pop back up and surgery be needed and everything, I mean, that was, that was certainly a blow. But if he's going to be able to play this year, I think that's, a, that's certainly a good thing and may end up uh, tempering the expectations people have about what Haim Bloom has to do in the offseason here with whatever time he has left. Uh, when it comes to filling in the middle of that infield. If you're talking about Kike Hernandez playing shortstop while Duvall is in center field, or you're talking about Christian Arroyo moving over to second base until Story comes back, things like that, I mean, those are those are quicker fixes, I suppose, but if Story is going to be back, and he is planning on playing this year, then uh, hopefully the team's still in it, and it matters, and uh, hopefully that eases some of the pressure on some of these other guys who may be asked to do more than perhaps they were ready to this year. Uh, Story says, I'll be in fort myers i'll get down early get a start on rehab and i'll be there all spring and uh we'll see when his season actually starts 617 779 there's your phone number wanted to switch gears quickly here as um there's been uh, a lot of talk in the last couple of days about this last celtics game the celtics with their win over the golden state warriors that i feel like was not treated like the like the defining victory that it was And I think that was a statement win. I'm surprised by the reaction to it. I think that, uh, you know, people talking about the turnovers from Jason Tatum, sure, they were troubling. I mean, I'm not going to pretend they were good. But you had the Warriors, your boogeymen in here. And I know they stink on the road. But they were here, and they were giving you the business. I mean, they were. It was not a pretty game by any means. It was a rock fight, a Draymond Green-style rock fight. And the Celtics were able to uh, use that 8 nothing run in overtime to put them away and, uh, and come out on top of this one. And they didn't curl up in the, and run away. They didn't get intimidated. They didn't do any of those things. They fought and fought and fought, and they ended up winning an ugly game. And I'll tell you what, if the Celtics had come out and made all their threes, and made a bunch of shots and shot 60% from the field and 50% from three-point range like they normally do, that wouldn't have taught me anything. I wouldn't have learned anything about them if they beat the Warriors like that. The Celtics can beat anybody when they do that. That doesn't always happen in the playoffs either, by the way, which is an important factor to consider here. But when the Celtics have an off-shooting night and Jason Tatum shooting 33% and Jalen Brown's not making his shots and you know everybody else is sort of struggling to find their offense, and they still, and they turn the ball over a bunch of times, and they still beat Golden State, that taught me something. I learned something about this team. I learned that they're different from last year, because last year, that Celtics team last year doesn't just uh, keep fighting. That team last year tucks tail and says, you know what, it's not our night. And uh, that was sort of a, a hallmark of that, uh, that playoff run, to be sure. In the, in the first round against Brooklyn, they swept Brooklyn. All those games were close, but they swept them. After that? They'd go on and off and on and off every other night. It seemed like in the in the Bucks series and the Heat series, there were blowouts every night, but they were the other team blowing them out. Like you know, you had you had a big win for uh, for Miami, then a big win for the Celtics, and they would bounce back and forth. It was the same thing in the Milwaukee series, and that was frustrating. And I think that you know, if you if you watch that game on uh, when was it now? Friday, Thursday night? <laughs> I can't even remember. Everything's running together. Uh, when you watch that game on Thursday night you weren 't seeing them go out there and, and cruise to a victory. You saw them go out there and struggle, and they shot under forty percent from the field in that game. Tatum with all the you know for the stat line that he had did not have a good shooting night at all and uh, despite all that, they were able to come out on the winning end and I think that that 's the hallmark of a great team now the celtics can 't rest now they can't they can 't rest on their laurels and act like they 've won something they haven 't uh, the warriors is is sort of mediocre as they are this year they're a 500 team who stinks on the road as mediocre as they are this year uh they can afford to take their foot off the gas at times during the season same with you know lebron's calves and the heat and you know, some of those great teams, uh, Duncan Spurs, you know, with Ginobili and Parker, like they were able to rest guys, take some time, uh, not worry about where they were in the standings, not be, you know, 100 uh, uh, percent married to that all year long because they knew, hey, the important thing is that we get there and the important thing is that we're all ha- ha- healthy and everything's intact. And uh, that's, you know, that's something that the Celtics have to continue to to worry about here. Um, Jalen Brown just came back from a strained adductor, and he played, what, 30, or 41 minutes in that game? 41 minutes in that game, his first game back from the injury, and listen, uh, Joe Missoula played that game with a tight bench. Only four guys into the bench, and only one of them really got any minutes. That was Malcolm Brogdon. Williams played 13, Derek White 17, Luke Corner played 8 minutes, and that was that. That was a playoff atmosphere. And uh, the Celtics came away on the on the winning end of it. So I don't know how you can I don't know how you can feel anything other than good about that game. Oh, Jason Tatum missed a bunch of shots, yeah, but they you know nine for twenty seven. He had nineteen rebounds, which was a career high, by the way. And they won that game. Um, let me tell you, this is a good thing they won that game, though. It's a damn good thing they ended up winning that game and going on that run at the end of overtime. Because if they didn't, ooh, if they didn't, we'd be having a very different conversation right now, wouldn't we? I would be. I definitely would be. Jason Tatum would be wearing goat horns right now if they didn't come away with that victory. So th- don't get me wrong, that win covered up a lot of problems in that game. But a win's a win. And uh, if if not though, those last three those last three possessions, I don't. Jason Tatum lost his mind in those last three possessions, and then Marcus Smart at the end of the uh, overtime nearly handed it right back to him again. That was that was alarming. I'm not going to lie. I mean, watching that, I, I felt wow, this is. Uh, this is not the way that a championship team plays down the stretch. But, again, <laughs> you know, it was one game in the calendar. It was a game where things weren't really going all that great for them, and they came away with the victory, and ultimately that's, that's all you can ask for. 617 779 there's your phone number. Now, for the Celtics coming up, they got a uh, road trip that will take them to Toronto and then down to Florida. They're in Toronto tonight and it's a uh, 5 o'clock tip time up there. And then on Monday, they'll be in Orlando, Tuesday in Miami, and then they're back in Boston for, a, I think, a long homestand starting on uh, Thursday the 26th. Now, when I look at the Celtics and I look at the run that they're on right now, you can look ahead into the schedule, and I just, I'm not scared of anyone. I'm not scared of any team in the Eastern Conference or the, where wow, really anywhere. There's one team maybe I'm a little bit scared of. It's the Orlando Magic because they randomly beat the Celtics this season. But, like, other than that, other than that, nothing scares me. I'm not scared of Brooklyn. Uh, Celtics own Brooklyn right now. I'm not scared of Milwaukee. I'm not scared of the Heat. am not scared of the Cavs. I'm not scared of any of these teams. Uh, the Celtics are in the driver's seat, and that's the way it's going to be, I think, for the rest of the year. They're going to have a target on their back this entire year, and uh, so far they've handled it about as well as you possibly can, um, almost as well as your Boston Bruins. <laughs> the Bruins, who may be the best hockey team I've ever seen. I'm not talking like best NHL team, like best hockey team. Better than Team Canada, better than Miracle on LA. These Bruins right now are winning at an 84% clip. 84%. You know how ridiculous that is? The Canadians in the 70s, 82%, and that was unheard of. These Bruins, if they keep this up, will be the best hockey team ever. (laughs) That's remarkable considering what this season was like. And to tie it all back to the Red Sox, Coming into this year, the Bruins, there was not a lot of expectations. The expectations were certainly not very high. What did they do in the offseason? They brought guys back that they already had. They brought back uh, Patrice Bergeron, who was retired, and they unretired him. David Krejci went to the Czech Republic. Now we know it was to get away from the coach. At the time, we weren't quite sure of that. Now we know it was to get away uh, from Bruce Cassidy, and they all decided, all right, we'll come back after this guy's out of here, and they did. And uh, what you've seen with this Boston Bruins team so far has been nothing short of remarkable. Um, The Celtics are playing great. The Bruins are playing uh, unconscious. They're an unconsciously good team. And I'll tell you what, from the chair I'm sitting in right now, it's been tough to criticize them. It has. (laughs) It's like, what can you say? What is there to say about the Bruins? What is there to to pick at? What is there to critique? Even with the Celtics, when they have a losing streak, they quickly uh, readjust and they go back to their winning ways. That's what happened last time. Last time they played Golden State, they lost five of their next six. And, uh, and, you know, things started to seem like they were closing in a little bit. Oh, no, here come, the, here come the Nets and here come the Bucks and these teams are nipping at your heels. Then the Celtics reel off eight in a row and all those teams are five, six games back again. What are you supposed to say? (laughs) Eventually, you run out of ways to say these guys are awesome. And it's the same with the Bruins. I mean, my goodness. The only thing that they did uh, that was even at all questionable was signing that kid. And he's, you know, gone as far as we know. Uh, I don't know if they're still paying him or not, but I don't think he's uh, he's part of the organization anymore. So, really, aside from that, (laughs) it's not much. Boston fans, you got your winter teams here. You could be happy about them. The Patriots, not so much. Red Sox, I'll leave that to you. But uh, right now, as far as the Celtics and the Bruins are concerned, that's some good eating right there. And uh, some, some uh, good entertainment for you guys, really. I mean, there's a, there's a hot ticket for these Celtics. It's 150 bucks, I think, on the secondary market to go to that Warriors game. People are into this, and you should be. I mean, listen, I can't remember the last time the Celtics and the Bruins were this good this far into the season. I really can't. Uh, every time they both play on the same day, it feels like they both win and they both crush whoever they're playing. Um, it's, been, it's been quite something. And for every while you're so negative all the time, Arkan. I maybe I am, but I have, I'm struggling to find anything to say about these Celtics or Bruins that hasn't already been said about you know the great all-time teams in this city. <laughs> like that's, that's sort of where we are right now. But, again, to tie it back to the, uh, to the Red Sox, expectations are pretty low, just like they were for the Bruins coming into this year. Celtics are a different story because they were in the finals, all right? You're in the finals, then obviously people are going to expect that you're going uh, to be making some noise that next season, of course, <clears throat> even if you lose the finals. But the Bruins? The Bruins were a one and done, and no one really thought much of them. And now here they are playing out of their minds. The Red Sox? I mean, a lot of fans told people what the, uh, told the uh, Red Sox brass what they thought of them last night and what they think about this upcoming season. I think that that's clear. Uh, but you have a chance now to change some minds and to win over some hearts and minds. And when you have a chance to do that, then uh, you, can, you, can certainly, you can certainly change the narrative. And uh, I think that's the Red Sox got to be priority number one. 617-779-7937. There's your phone number. Quick break. We'll get to your phone calls right after this. We're back to Christian Arcand,
0: live from MGM Springfield for Red Sox Winter Weekend on WEI.
2: Sports Radio, WEI. We're Boston Sports Original, and we're live from Springfield at Red Sox Winter Weekend. I'm joined now by uh, my man... Rob Bradford, oh, I'm your man, Sugar Bear, as uh, Mikey Adams. <laughs> oh my call goodness, I, mean, yeah. I haven't been called Sugar Bear forever. He's <laughs> calling a... me other things now, but that's okay. <laughs> probably, <laughs> uh, probably all of us there. Um, Bradford, good to see you as always.
6: Yeah, yeah. Man. I am mean, your first time here, and uh, my second time up on the stage today talking. Uh, you know, David Ortiz, which is it's good in some ways and bad in others, but it's all it's a whole scene, isn't it? Christian? How is it bad? How is it bad? So that, there's bad in others. A, Well, I mean... You know, there's there's, there's, there's there's waves of good Ortiz when I he suppose. does the interviews. You're always good. Like, you're on all the time. That's right. I really enjoyed listening to you and Mego the last couple of weeks. Oh, well, thanks. Last couple of months, last couple of years, whatever it's been. Not yours. Not well, either. anyway, I've enjoyed listening to you guys.
2: It's, I appreciate that. So, there you go. Um, we'll have you on the show sometime, maybe. Ooh. I don't know. <laughs> Jones, Jones gets there, I don't know. He may say no Bradfo. Well, I got, I got T-shirts, sweatshirts, <laughs> and books. So, I, this, the, it's all free stuff. So Very go. good. Um, let's talk about what happened here. Last night, because I know you guys talk. I know you talked about it with the last. It's shot, all right, can talk let's, about it all the uh, live long day. And I was uh, talking with Heim about it too. And it, between him and Sam Kennedy, I feel like they're trying to put a, a positive spin on it. <laughs> but it's tough to be too positive about getting booed like that, isn't it? Can I? Because I was in the back
6: doing uh, interviews and podcasts and things like that. What did Heim say? What, what, what was the bullet point Heim take on it?
2: Um, his take was we weren't good last year. I would be I would uh, be surprised if the fans were had any other reaction than what they had and I my re, my response to that was well you guys have had bad seasons before I don't think that was just from the bad season I think that was because Xander Bogarts isn't here anymore I think oh that's yeah the main it, was, it was definitely a combination of things if you had just had a bad year and you did one of these things then yeah you know you might have a couple of boo whatever but Bogart's leaving, and that compounding from Mookie Betts, like that's what that's what it was last well, night, right? Like, I, I think one of the, you know if you want to go back and look
6: at this day and these all these interviews that we have and everything else, one of the no, most noteworthy lines was Sam Kennedy on with uh, with Ken and Curtis and And that was i 'm going to paraphrase, but say, "Hey, you know, maybe we should have we overplayed our love for v- wanting xander bogart 's back, which is of course the one thing which I thought was the most important um, line of the off season when it came to forming this narrative and led to what you 're talking about, which was he is the top priority once you say that, Christian, and you're a member of the Boston Red Sox." Are the Red Sox ownership that has always been, we're going to get the guy, or we're going to come damn close to it. Yeah, and they didn't. They didn't come close to it. I don't think people begrudge them for that. No one was going to pay him eleven years, two hundred eighty million dollars.
2: Well, one team was. Yeah. Well.
6: <laughs> yeah. No, nobody other than yes, yeah. the the crazy Padres. But it, it, it was where they landed. That offer wasn 't representative of the team that's saying we, we, he 's our plan A, so it just never lined up because you 've seen this a million times with this team, yeah, we like the guy we 're going to keep in touch with him, and you know we, we, but no, this is the Kyle Schwerber thing right we like him we 're going to offer him three and thirty nine but he 's going to sign for four and eighty so it wasn 't like that, so I think that' led was a big part of what led to last night. Um, and I, asked, I tried to, sp- not spin it, but I tried to ask Ortiz what about what Bogarts, hey, uh, you, you were you probably too young for Bruce Hurst, right? I remember, I remember the name. Yeah, yeah, so Bruce Hurst was always, Doug knows what I'm talking about with yeah. Bruce Hurst. So Bruce Hurst was the perfect example of this guy in Boston, and he takes a deal to go to San Diego. And he gets to San Diego, and after the fact, he's like, oh, I wish I didn't leave because it's just not the same juice and so with Ortiz, I said, hey, is Bogart's going to sort of, yeah, he's going to regret it? No, it's like, he's going to win. Yeah, I'm like, yeah, but when you lose, you still get the passion. Look at last night. He's like, no, you just want to <laughs> win. And people get pissed off when you don't win. That's how it works. And I think, but here, I've always said this, Christian, where they ask these teams, they ask these people, the mothers, the daughters, the sons, the brothers, the parents, everybody to invest so much in this team emotionally and financially. When you do that, when you don't do well, you're going to get nights like last
2: night. Here's what High and Bloom said to me about last night. Were you surprised by the reaction? I mean, I know it wasn't a great year last year, but still, I mean, these are paying customers like that was was pretty rough.
0: I wasn't surprised at all. I expected it. You know, I get it. Like, we weren't very good last year.
2: Simple. There it is. I can't imagine he expected that. Couldn't have expected that. I mean, he couldn't get a sentence out. Yeah, I, I <laughs> that can't. was it wasn't just, you know, boo, we were mad at you like that was I mean, that was like, you know, I th- heckled at a comedy club. or something. <laughs> like, you know, have you ever done that to anybody? I never have. No, no, I I, I I'm I, I don't go to the many comedy shows anyway. But. I always feel like I just
6: never sit in the front row. But <laughs> but I can't imagine and expect that. I do believe that he expected that people were going to have questions and were but this thing, Christian, like you not having been here. This is the kumbaya day. Right. Or a couple days. It's it's And the people who usually come to this aren't the people who boo and hiss and yell Dombrowski references and everything
2: right. else. So, yeah, it was crazy. Um, I think that uh, it shows two things. It shows that people are angry. I mean, fans are, are angry, and it's not just because it was a bad year last year. But it also sort of shows that there's still something to be angry about you know, like it's not like they're not tuning out. They're not completely just turning their back on the team and saying we're, we're done with you and we're not going to support anymore. It's we're mad and you need to do something about it and we're telling. So you
6: so that what's interesting is
4: they.
6: I don't think they should take that as a as to your, their point. I don't think it, they should take that as the ultimate bad sign because it shows people care and it shows that people aren't apathetic. Right. Which is, you know, Chris, like that's the word that you got to stay away. You cannot you have, have apathy.
2: Death. But but but. Last night was better than apathy. Oh, hundred percent. It was. Put it
6: on the bumper stickers. Yeah.
2: <laughs> last, night, last night was better than apathy, but but at the same
6: time, if you do not do well, especially at the beginning of the year, that's exactly what you'll get. You won't get people mad, especially with the. We talked about this before with Ken and Curtis. The Bruins and the Celtics. I heard the great conversation you guys are having. Are the Bruins the best team of all time? You know, the Bruins and the Celtics are rolling. Yeah. They're going to go through their playoff runs. And you're already going to have a hard time, even if you win, getting attention to this team. But if you lose, you're going to be digging your hole that is that is covered with the big A word. There you go, apathy. So Because it, go back to 2013. 2013, it take forever yeah. for teams to latch on to that because I said this before, because the Bruins went on their run and Aaron Hernandez killed somebody. It's true.
2: Well, no, a couple people be. Yeah,
6: well I'm sorry. But you know, sorry, misrepresent the sorry the Hernandez family.
2: True. Uh twenty thirteen, that offseason reminds me of this offseason a little bit, just in the sense of signing like older veteran here's, guys But here's the difference, in. and that's how they'll spin it. Right.
6: But here's the difference. You were signing all those guys, but you had Ortiz sitting there, Pedroia sitting there, Lester sitting there. You had like the you had the foundation guy sitting there. The foundation Guy you have right now is Rafael Devers. Yeah, and and meanwhile you're you're signing like you said the Shane Victorinos and Johnny Gomes of
1: the world.
2: Yeah, and then in 2014 when things went sour, they blew it all up. I mean I remember that trade deadline like it was yesterday. They traded everybody. The whole rotation was traded. And I feel like the response from Red Sox fans wasn't the same kind of anger you're hearing now because people were like, yeah, get some trade, get some p- new players in. Well, you and had, let's but, start resetting. But, this. Right. You had Mookie
6: coming up. Right. You had Xander already there. Um, you had Jackie Bradley who was a prospect at the time. you had some optimism you were turning it over and don 't forget you had jonas Cespedes in the big uh, right. the, the big john Lester trade. yeah, but it was uh who became Porcello right yeah became porcello yep. good 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 poll excellent job yeah but it's um but that year was <laughs> you know, it, it's it was the lesson that you just can 't turn it over i mean a j Presinsky not not happening mm. didn 't really work out i don 't sure. know if you know that <laughs> but uh but it was I'll say it again. I mean, they forgot ha- about him. They they have they have to. It's it is, this is a brutal division. It's a really good division. We just did. Uh, I just did a podcast with. Um, uh, I'm going to forget his name. Barstool, uh, the Barstool guy for the Orioles, and he he. But he reminded like bar The Orioles are legit. The Orioles, the Blue Jays, the Rays, yeah. the Yankees. This is a tough division. And if the Red Sox buried
2: themselves early on you're gonna get that a word yeah yeah you are six one seven 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 nine seven ninety three seven there's your phone number we're gonna continue with Rob Bradford right after the break